Take three. Let's see if this works. Testing, testing. One, is two, gonna, three. Is it going to loop again? It did not. It's just recording. Great. All Hi, right. everyone. <laughs> what you just missed is I got a new MacBook, and so now I'm using like different software. I'm using GarageBand. And the first take, there was a metronome going. <laughs> so we almost did a spoken poetry Spoken poetry episode. slam. <laughs> and then I tried to, I was like, okay, no, I fixed it. Now it's just showing the time. And then it just looped for five seconds. It would like record for five seconds and then start over. <laughs> so I think we're good to go now, though. Anyway, welcome back, guys. Welcome to Spooky Oaky. I'm Catherine. I'm Madison. We're your hosts for this evening. Or morning or whenever you're listening whenever you're to this listening to this for your road trip or cleaning or whatever you're doing this is our true crime episode we've got a couple of nice cases to talk about for oklahoma oh yeah we spent all morning researching them because we procrastinated uh absolutely like always Listen. madison was on on my side of the show this time <laughs> of waiting until the last minute to write her notes Usually i felt I'm so prepared <laughs> i felt so much better today listen i've had a lot going on my mom had a heart attack last week, and so you it's know, been it's a been little busy. wild. Yeah, <laughs> so I left her like for the first time to come stay at Catherine's house and record. Yeah, so yeah, it's been a little wild, but we are back. Thanks for being patient and letting us delay our release a week. We appreciate it a lot. Mm-hmm. Reminder to support us on Patreon so you get to access our video investigations. The first one is up, so. Go check that out. It's only $3 a month. Thank you to those that are already supporting us. We appreciate you. We're so excited. Um, Okay, so we're going to jump right in because I got to go get back to my mom. Um, (laughs) And my grandma's sick. My parents have COVID. It's possible she has COVID. I don't know. So now I'm stressed out because I'm staying here with Catherine and she found out her dad has COVID like last night when I was already here. And then this morning she found out her mom has COVID. Yep. And now her grandma has a cough. And I'm like, oh no, now she probably has COVID. What is happening? I can't take COVID home to my mother who just had a heart attack. <laughs> so now I'm stressed, but I called my mom and she was like, whatever happens, happens. It's fine. Just come on home. I don't care. <laughs> Which is like very much typical for my mom. So my mom is like the chillest person I know. She's like, whatever, it's fine. But I'm like stressing about it. But anyway, so I'm going to try to get through this fast so I can like, I guess, go home, take a shower, neti pot. Whatever I can think yeah. to do to get germs off of me. Emergency. You know. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to like really try to not take anything to my mother. So we're going to yeah. dive right in. Try to try to go through this one a little more quickly. I say as we've rambled for like five minutes. Yeah, it's fine. You know. Anyway, so today, are you ready for my story, Catherine? I'm ready. Do you want me to go first, I guess? Yeah. I feel like that's what that's, we usually that's do. That's the pattern. Yeah. Okay, cool. go for it. So I'm going to cover the story of Nima Carter and the Carpitcher twins. All right. Have you heard of this? I have not. Okay. So it starts in 1976 in Lawton. All right. So on April 10th, 1976, 11-year-old Kathy Ward and another child were playing in their neighborhood when they heard a small voice coming from inside one of the abandoned homes. (gasps) When they went to investigate, they could tell the voice was coming from inside the refrigerator (gasps) of the abandoned home. And this was the 70s, so they didn't have, like, the magnetic... Where you yeah. could, like, push it open from the inside. Like, it, like, okay. latched on the outside. So, like, if you got locked in there, you're, you're locked, locked in. in there. So. Holy crap. They opened the fridge door and a little girl fell out. They, like, freaked out because they were, you know, 11 years old. Yeah. And they ran out of the house, but then they were like, okay, we have to go back and check on this kid. Like, what, what yeah. is going on? And so they went back in and the little girl was, like, still on the ground in front of the fridge. Like, she was alive, though. She was okay. Okay. 
But then they noticed that there was another little girl still inside the fridge, and she was dead. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Yeah. So um, it was soon discovered that the girls were twin three-year-olds, Augustine, mm-hmm. Tina, they called her Tina, and Mary Carpitcher. They had disappeared from their grandmother's home just two days before. Mm. So um, Augustine, or Tina, so we're going to call her Tina, had survived by like breathing through a little hole in the fridge she'd found a little hole and was like breathing through it but her twin didn't Mm. make it Mm. so yes and they were they were three they were three and a half so just itty bitty babies i know Mm. so two days before on april 8th tina and mary's grandmother had left them in the living room of her home and when she came back into the living room to check on them they were nowhere to be found oh my gosh they were just gone she had just, you know, set them up. They were watching a TV show, no uh-huh. big deal. Went to another room, came back to check, and they were just gone. Oh, my gosh, that's so scary. Terrifying, right? Yeah. Three and a half years old. Um, there was no sign of forced entry. It appeared that they had just left. They were just gone. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So Tina, the little girl that survived, uh-huh. told investigators that a girl named Jackie had come into the house and convinced the girls to follow her. Jackie mm. led them to an abandoned house and told them to get in the fridge. She told them that their Aunt Thomasina was going to pick them up soon and take them to get ice cream. And then when they got into the fridge, she locked the door and latched it from the outside. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, um, they, she told them this a little bit later. At first, all they knew was Jackie did it. Like, she just said, Jackie did it. Um, and so they knew it had to be, like, somebody that they already knew because mm-hmm. they had left with her. Right. Um, she knew their aunt's name. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, Tina knew her well enough to be like, Jackie did it. So... I mean, gotcha. if you're, like, kidnapping kids, you're probably not going to be like, my name's Jackie, I'm going to lock you in a fridge now. Right. So, like, they already knew her name. Right. Um, so, this led investigators to 16-year-old Jackie Rubido. She lived in the same neighborhood as the girls and was a family friend. She was, like, friends with their aunt. Okay. Um, she had also been in contact. 16? 16. Wow. Yeah. Okay. She had also been in contact with the girls within 24 hours of their abduction. And okay. I had read some places that she would occasionally babysit them. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, when they questioned her, she denied having any involvement. And since there wasn't any solid evidence other than a three-year-old saying something, right. it just kind of hit a dead end. Like, they couldn't really pursue anything. They couldn't. Oh that's gosh. not going to in court. Yeah. She's way too young. So. Yeah. Just kind of hit a dead end. That um, testimony, like, nobody's going to believe that. Exactly. With it being a three-year-old. Exactly. Yeah. So the other potential suspect was a 14 year old boy named jackie burnett he also lived in the neighborhood and he lived almost directly beside the abandoned house that the girls okay. were found in but he didn't seem to have any connection to the girls like the only connection was like the name is the same and okay. he's in the neighborhood um he also like willingly did a polygraph test and passed it and since there like wasn't connection wasn't any evidence he did anything wrong they let him go and like right. that's kind of the last i heard about him so okay like, totally out of it not him but since there wasn't any solid evidence and Tina was so young that her information was unreliable, charges were never filed. Oh my gosh. So then, about a year and a half later, on Halloween night of 1977, 19-month-old Nima Carter went missing from her crib. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. So another in the home. In the home. And then just gone. Just gone. Wow. So her parents, George and Rose Carter, reported that they had laid her down for bed that night And she had started crying at some point during the night, but they decided to, like, let her cry it out. They thought she was just tired and she would fall back asleep. And then, you know, then they didn't hear the crying anymore. So Mm -hmm. they were like, okay, cool, she fell back asleep. But then the next morning, around 7 a.m., 
Her mother, Rose, went into the bedroom to get her, but she was gone. Oh, she my gosh. She was not in her crib. That is horrifying. Mm-hmm. So there were no signs of forced entry, and her bedroom window was still locked, leading police to believe that someone had been hiding in the bedroom when <gasps> Nima was put in her crib the night before. Oh, my gosh. Terrifying, oh, that's right? So scary. Ugh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so there was, like, a large wardrobe in the bedroom, and police believed that someone may have hidden in there because it was, mm. like, big enough to fit a person. I've also seen, though, that there was a back door that it was, like, an exterior door that the lock was kind of messed up, and so it didn't always get locked. Okay. Um, so someone could have walked in there. Like, that's scary enough, but the thought of somebody being in there when you're putting your child yes. down to sleep is somehow much worse. Oh, it's awful. And then, like, they always felt guilty because they were like, we let her cry it out. Like, what if we had just gone to get her? What if we had, like, brought her to sleep with us? What if we had oh. gone up there and seen that somebody was there? Like, Oh, but you can't play you the what-if game. Like, exactly. You were doing what you thought was yeah. best as a parent. Like, you can't Like, it happens sometimes, you yeah. Know, especially at that age, they're not, like tiny tiny baby like they're right. toddler they're gonna fuss sometimes like right parents can tell if their kid's just like a little fussy and needs to just chill for a little bit like they didn't right. do anything wrong you no. know so that's just awful wow but they always like we're like well, what if you know <sighs> that's always so felt guilty about it i think um so could have gone in the back door but like you would have had to know the house really well to know that the back door had a broken lock and you could get in through there, they also would have had to walk directly past the parents sleeping. Mm. And if they were already kind of half awake from... From the crying. From the crying, yeah. that would have made that harder. Yeah, exactly. So um, it's thought that, like, maybe they used that to escape. Okay. And only had to go past the parents once. Like, maybe they were hiding mm-hmm. in the room already and then used that back door to get out. Because okay. I also saw somewhere that, like... They found it a little bit open the next morning. Okay. And the back gate was open. So, like, they may have used that to leave. But I only saw that in, like, one video. I didn't see it in the articles. So. Okay. Not sure, but possibility. Um, so, just because of all of these different things, um, they believe that it must have been somebody who knew Nima and who knew the house. Mm-hmm. Had to have some connection already. So, they questioned both of the parents, of course, because, like, statistically, that's the most likely thing is, like, parents had something to do with it right but they like quickly found them free of any involvement like they had nothing to do with it they were just yeah. worried parents um so they had also been victims of two other crimes leading up to nima's disappearance so two months before the family dog had been poisoned uh, and then a few days after that nima's father george returned home to find that the house had been vandalized oh my gosh yeah so like it's unclear if there's any connection between like those crimes and nima's disappearance but But that's it's just weird that's a weird coincidence if that's a coincidence exactly i mean it it is lawton so they had like a higher crime rate and that sort of thing but like it's still strange yeah so that was like one little detail that i saw that was like hmm Mm. interesting horrible people poisoning a poor dog i know so At this point, the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation got involved, and they sent over a dozen officers to help with the search. Police searched around the Carter's home, and they started going door-to-door in the neighborhood to question residents in the area, but, like, nothing really came of it. Mm -hmm. So it was still kind of, like, a dead end. And then, 23 days later, a local soldier named Gary Goodall was in the area to visit a friend and do some laundry at her house. And he decided to walk to the nearby store to get a pack of cigarettes, and he, like, cut across the lawn of an abandoned duplex to get there. 
And then he said that there was just something like strange about it. There were a lot of like shatter shattered windows and like the front door was broken and like open. Mm. And he was just like, I just want to look in there. Like, it's just weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he like took a look inside and then laying by the fridge, he saw the body of a child. Oh my god. And gosh. so he like went back to the house and was like, um, hey, I just found something and got his friend. And she, like, came with him, and they both, like, went in, and they were like, uh, yeah, this, that's a kid's body. We have to call the police. Yeah. So they called the police, and, wow. like, yeah, they, oh, they found no. her. Poor baby. I know. So, um, apparently some neighborhood children had been playing inside the abandoned house, and they had opened the fridge, and then her body fell out of the fridge, mm. and they got freaked out, and they left. They, okay. like, ran off, which I get it. Like, I mean, yeah. what are you going to do as a little kid, you know? Yeah. And it wasn't clear how long before like the amount of time between the kids opening the fridge and her and, falling out and, and like the guy being finding her. Yeah. yeah being found so i'm not sure about that but that's what happened apparently okay so although they now had her body and they confirmed it was her she had the same shirt on little diaper like all of that um they didn't have any physical evidence like there was still nothing to point to a suspect or anything gosh but now it makes it look like the same person exactly like same mo yeah all of that wow okay. yeah and what so. a creepy thing like putting them in the fridge i don't know why that's I know. so much worse but it is it is well because they put them in there alive yeah so they're just trapped in there until they die, die. oh my gosh yeah it's awful um so one strange thing about this is that this abandoned home had already been searched at least twice, and they didn't find her. What? Yeah, so the first time was, like, the day after she disappeared. Uh-huh. And um, one officer reported that he vividly remembered the refrigerator door being open when they searched the home. And okay. then the second time was, like, a week after that, and this time another officer reported that they remembered that the door was now closed. Okay. So and like they didn't sh- open the They didn't fridge. open it, I guess. But okay. I'm sure they didn't realize like, oh, somebody else had seen it open and now I'm seeing it closed. Like they just didn't think, didn't think about it. Cuz I actually I don't think they went inside the house the second time. I think okay. they like looked in, looked in the windows and they were like, we've searched this one. We're good. There's yeah. nothing in there. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So, anyway, that's just strange cuz then it's like, okay, well where was this child? Like they were going door to door. Right. So like did somebody have her in the house alive because like she was put Mm -hmm. in there alive gosh yeah yeah awful um so she i mean she died of asphyxiation she was put in there alive it was definitely her um but given all of the similarities between nima's case and the carpenter twins case Mm -hmm. police wanted to speak to jackie rubido again yeah. Because Jackie also happened to be Nima's babysitter. <gasps> oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. So that was like the one thing they had in common. common. Was her. Yeah. She was at the center of both cases. And that's such a specific. Oh yeah. Had to be the same person. Yeah. Or a copycat, but like, I'm sure the yeah. same person, you know? Yeah. Gotta be the same person. Yeah. So when police spoke to her, she denied having any involvement. She also had an alibi, and she told the police that she had been playing bingo on the night that Nima disappeared. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's unclear whether or not they could actually, like, confirm this, but Nima went to bed between 10.30 and 11, and she was discovered missing at around 7 a.m. the next morning, and, like, I have never heard of 
an all night bingo. An all night bingo. So <laughs> that leaves like that. That leaves a window. I think. I think so. I don't think that alibi quite holds up. Um. Anyway, unless there is an all night bingo that I've never heard of somewhere in Lawton, Oklahoma, <laughs> the all night bingo hall in Lawton, America. Um. <laughs> so yeah, I something fishy about that. Yeah. But um, they also reported that her behavior was was pretty strange while she was being questioned. Um, she stared at the floor most of the time. She seemed like she wanted to tell them something and she wouldn't. And then she like appeared to be very angry and she even complained to police that other kids got to go play bingo and have fun, but she always got stuck babysitting. But I oh, thought she was playing bingo. I thought she was playing bingo so, too. Just questionable. Interesting. So, another thing they pointed out that, like, I didn't put in my notes, because I was like, I don't think that's strange, was that, like, she wouldn't make eye contact with them, but she's Native American, oh, and I don't yeah. know what tribe she is, I don't know what her culture is, so, like, yeah, that, that could absolutely easily... be a cultural thing, so I was like, I'm not putting in there, yeah. that in there is, like, a strange thing. Yeah, because, like, that's so just many a tribes, difference. yeah, so many tribes, that's a way of showing respect to people exactly. is not by making eye contact. Yeah, exactly. So, um... It was just a little little strange that she was angry about other kids getting to go play bingo. When her alibi was that she was playing exactly. bingo. So, like, why did she bring that up? Right. So, I don't know. It was just very questionable. Hmm. But while they, like, obviously still suspected her, they, again, had no physical evidence, and they had to let her walk again. Gosh. Yeah. Like, there's there was just nothing for them to go off of other than, like, we have a gut feeling it's you, like it has to be you, mm-hmm. but like we don't have anything can't to prosecute tie you to on the a gut case. feeling. Yeah. yeah. So they had to just let her walk. But a few months after Nima's body was found, a neighbor of the Carpitcher twins came forward and told police that she had seen Jackie taking the twins out of their home on the day that they disappeared. Okay. Yeah, she was like holding onto their wrists and like pulling them with her. Um, at the time, the neighbor just thought that, like, the girls didn't want to go somewhere, and she had to make them go. Right. No big deal. Like, she was, she had babysitting around the house. She babysat them. No big deal. Um, but then later on, she realized that they were kidnapped. Yeah. But she said that she took so long to come forward because she just didn't want to get involved. Okay. Which, like, I, I guess I get, but, like. If you know children have been kidnapped, please tell somebody. If you know something, something, say something. Exactly. I understand not wanting to get into other people's business, but, like, you That's have different. to. Yeah, like. exactly. <laughs> so she said she just, like, didn't want to get involved. So it took, I mean, that was probably a solid two years after, wow. the, after the one twin's death. Um, so after that, they finally had a witness that was not, you know, a three-and-a-half-year-old. Yeah. Um. So Jackie was charged with first-degree murder of Mary Carpitcher, and she was found guilty in 1983. So it took a little while. They, like, charged her in 79. Okay. And then, it, you know, it takes a while to, like, get go to court. Go all of the go, go, hearings go to trial. and all that. Yeah. So she was actually found guilty in 1983, and okay. so the surviving twin, Tina, was able to, like, be a witness and like testify in court and say what had happened gotcha um they tried to like kind of fight it like the the defense team was like trying to fight it just being like she's been coached obviously like she's not gonna remember that stuff but she said on the stand she was like i'm just saying what i remember no one's told me what to say i didn't memorize something to say right and she was 10 by then Mm -hmm. so she was like an age that 
Yeah. That, like, she can say what happened. Yeah. Um, and so she did, and they found her guilty, and she was sentenced to life in prison. She was never charged with Nima's murder, though. Okay. And to this day, the death of Nima Carter is still considered unsolved. Wow. It's, like, pretty obvious that it's her, I right. think. But it's technically unsolved. And there was nothing that they could ever get DNA-wise nope. to test? Oh, no. that's so sad. I know. They even went back and, like, tried to test the fridge and, like... Yeah. All of that. And, like, OSBI was involved. They uh-huh. tried to test things. Like, they just couldn't get anything. Wow. So, uh, Jackie died in 2005 of cirrhosis of the liver while in prison at the Mabel Bassett Correctional Facility in McLeod, Oklahoma. Okay. Yep. Well. So, although no justice was ever served for Nima, her father stated, this is really sad, I'm going to read his quote to you. Okay. He said, I don't need to know because the person who did this will ultimately have to answer to God. You know, I'll never forget the act, but I forgive the person. I really do. And that alone has set me free. Oh, wow. Yes. And that is the story of Nima Carter and the Carpitcher twins. Wow. Yeah. So, pretty rough one. Um, I do want to say that both, well, all three girls were Native American. I'm not sure what tribe. They were all Native Americans. So, I want to give some statistics Yeah. about, like, missing and murdered Indigenous women and children. Yeah. Um, so, according to the Native Women's Wilderness... As of 2016, the National Crime Information Center has reported 5,712 cases of missing American Indian and Alaska Native women and girls. Strikingly, the U.S. Department of Justice Missing Persons Database has only reported 116 cases. What? Out of 5,712. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, the majority of these murders are committed by non-Native people on Native-owned land. Mm-hmm. The lack of communication combined with jurisdictional issues between state, local, federal, and tribal law enforcement make it nearly impossible to begin the investigative process. Yeah. So here's a few just like statistics. Um, indigenous women and girls are murdered ten at a, ten, at a rate of 10 times higher than all other ethnicities. Gosh. Mm-hmm. Murder is the third leading cause of death for indigenous women. Wow. Oh my gosh. Which is crazy. Yeah. Um. More than four out of five indigenous women have experienced violence. It's at uh, 84.3%. Wow. Yeah. More than half of indigenous women experience sexual violence, 56.1%. More than half of indigenous women have been physically abused by their intimate partners, 55.5%. Gosh. Less than half of indigenous women have been stalked in their lifetime, but barely less than half. It's at 48.8%. Wow. Wow. Indigenous women are 1.7 times more likely than Anglo-American women to experience violence. They're also two times more likely to be raped than Anglo-American white women. Wow. And the murder rate of Indigenous women is three times higher than Anglo-American women. So just through the roof. Just crazy. Jeez. Yeah. So I found a website that lists like ways to help fight the missing and murdered Indigenous women epidemic. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to link it in the description. Mm-hmm. It lists, like, educational resources, petitions and calls to action, places to donate, and indigenous creators to support. So, like, definitely check that out. Okay. Wow. That's crazy. I know. I know I kind of rushed through that, but, like, ugh, I just wanted to, like, get it done with because it's so rough. It's really rough. Yeah. 
Well, mine's not going to be a lighthearted one either. Oh, great. <laughs> These true crime episodes, man. They're rough. <laughs> yeah. So, mine is about the serial killer, William Lewis Reese. Great. Never heard of him. I hadn't. It does sound a little bit familiar. Maybe it's just because you texted it to me. Maybe so. I I had never heard of him. Um, And it was crazy because, I mean, he's, like, although most of his murders happened in Texas, Mm -hmm. there still were some in Oklahoma, and he's (coughs) from Oklahoma. Oh, okay. So, um, just kind of a preview. Young girls, highways, car trouble, kidnapping, rape, and murder. Oof. Great start. Okay. So on July 1st, 1959, William Lewis Reese was born in Oklahoma. He was raised on a farm near Yukon, Oklahoma. Um, so there was a couple of different reports. Some people, so one person, his, one of his ex-wives said that he went to a boy's home because of bad behavior. Okay. One article said he bounced around foster homes. Um, but he ended up dropping out of school in the ninth grade okay. um, and began working as a farm laborer, shoeing horses. All right, all right. Um, when he was 19, he married Judy Fleming. They met in Anadarko, Oklahoma. According to Judy, his darling way of asking her out was um, while they were riding around town, he pulled into a parking lot and said, if you don't go out with me, I'll put a gun to my head. That's super healthy. How charming. Yes. Love that. She said, he was kidding. At least I thought he was then. Oh my goodness. I mean, I I won't even, I won't even start. Yeah. That's so manipulative. Like, uh-huh. run. Run away. Giant red flag. Yeah. Um, so she was pregnant when she married him, and so this is, um, well, it was night... He was 19, so 19 years after 59. So still during a time where, like, if a girl's pregnant, like, shotgun wedding, her own father did not want her to marry Reese. Oh, no. Another red flag. Another red flag. They're just all over the place. She's pregnant, out of wedlock, and her father does not want her to marry this guy. Whoo. Yikes. He must have been really bad. Yeah. I mean, obviously. (laughs) Obviously. It's the subject of a true crime story. (laughs) Yeah. Um, according, so according to her, she said that he had to go to a boy's home when he was a teenager because of his bad behavior. Okay. Um, but she said that he was a mama's boy and his mom would do anything for him. She even said, um, I think even if he kills someone, she would try to cover it up. I have a feeling that's going to come into play later. Um, possibly. Uh-huh. Um, so soon after getting married she realized that he could become violent. She ended up shocked. I know. Shocking after his, you know, darling way of asking her out. Um, (laughs) so she divorced him. Um, later, not very, like this all happened. I'm not sure exactly like when the dates of she divorced him, but then she got remarried to him. Oh my, why? You made it out. So charming, I guess. Yes. His darling way of asking. I wonder what he did to ask her to remarry him. Remarry him? I don't know. You know. <coughs> Anyways, I'm not going to make that joke. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> don't get uh, sued. Yeah. They had a second child together. Okay. And then she divorced him again. Oh, my goodness. So, did it stick this time? <laughs> yes. Okay, good. 
So after getting divorced the second time in 1982, he became increasingly violent. Mm. She said, he broke into my house, beat me up, put a knife to my throat, threw me down, and put a shotgun to my head. Ooh. So I think those were separate times. I think that was just kind of like a okay. summary of things yeah. that she did. But I mean, or, or that still. he did to her. Yeah. So on one occasion, he forced her and the children to go to a Thanksgiving dinner at a relative's house. So they're divorced at this point. Oh, okay. Um, and while there, became angry with her. He, she said, he threw me down on the ground, got a shotgun, put it to my face. His mom stopped him, and if she hadn't, I don't know what he would have done. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Another time, uh, at this point, the children were still younger than two years old. Reese drove them and Fleming, Judy, Judy Mm -hmm. Fleming, uh, to the store, and while driving, became angry. They were having an argument and became angry, and she said that, uh, he said, if you don't do such and such, I'm going to kill us all in the car. He probably would have, too. And at that point, he proceeded to drive as fast as he could down backcountry roads while there's two young children in the backseat. Mm. She I wish was I could terrified. Say I'm surprised, but yeah, I'm not. she was terrified and didn't do anything. And eventually, he stopped on his own. Oh my goodness! He got married a second time. Great. You mean the third? Uh, time. Probably a third time <laughs> to a second woman. Oh my I should goodness. say. Um, and got divorced again. Okay. Uh, there's not Did a lot he, like, of information. Stop that one too. I don't or? know. There's not a lot of information on the second wife. Okay. I don't even know her name. Did they have kids? I don't know. Okay. The Probably only thing not I know. If he didn't stalk her. Yeah. The only thing I know is that Judy says that she apparently called her repeatedly, asking Judy to take Reese back. Oh. <laughs> and she said he's not a child. He can right be on his own. Right. Nobody needs to take him back. Right. She said she thought back to the time where he had beaten her so bad that half her face was black from bruises and declined to take him back. Well, good choice. Yeah, good choice. Good choice. Yikes, run far away from that one. Yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not blaming her for no, like being around no. because it's really dangerous to leave and things like that. Like, right. I understand that. So I'm sure she did like what she had to to protect herself and the kids. Yeah. So it was 1982 when she got divorced. So I'm not sure okay. like when he got remarried and got divorced again. I'm not okay. sure the timeline. But in the spring of 1986, a student, uh, she was a daughter of a deputy sheriff, and she was a student at the University of Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, she was driving to her job after she finished classes for the day. Her car stalled on Interstate 35. Okay. She was panicking. There was a storm going on. It was a thunderstorm, so rain is beating down on the car. It's 1986. There's not cell phones. Right. Yeah, that's um, scary. Or at least they're Especially not common. Especially as a young college student. Like, yeah. That's scary. Yeah. And so she's on the side of an interstate. Um, she looks uh, beside her, and there's a tall fence that's separating her from a mall and a hotel where she would okay. have access to a phone. Right. So she's contemplating, like, climbing over this tall fence to get to this hotel right. and uh, mall to try to get to a payphone, and a semi-truck pulls up. Okay. So Reese was in the driver's seat, mm-hmm. and he says, uh, asks if she needs help and that he could take her to a payphone. He didn't take her to a payphone. He did he, not take her to a payphone. Yeah, he figured. Um, instead, he drives to an Albertsons, parks, grabs her, throws her on the mattress of his sleeper mm. cab, and proceeds to duct tape her arms behind her back. Oh. Um, she asks him why he was doing this, and he replies, because he's crazy. Well, at least he's self-aware. <laughs> I mean, 
Accurate, yeah. Yeah. Um, after he duct tapes her arms behind her back, he stuffs her into a sleeping bag and then drives on. Oh, my goodness. When he gets to a new location, he then sexually assaults her. Yeah. After sexually assaulting her, he told her he loved her and that they would live forever in Houston. Oh, my goodness. Well, he was right. He's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, she was smart, and she played along. Good. Uh, she eventually gained his trust, and while in a public restaurant, asked him if she could use a payphone to call her family. Mm-hmm. He gave her a quarter and a kiss goodbye. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Smart girl. Yeah. Whatever she did worked. Yep. Um, he didn't wait long to strike again. The very next month, while he's awaiting trial for kidnapping and um, oral sodomy, Mm-hmm. Uh, from the first case, he raped a woman that he followed home from a bar. Oh my goodness. Why was he out? That's a great question. He was convicted in both attacks and he was sentenced to 25 years in prison. But he probably didn't serve it, right? You are correct. Wow, shocking. He didn't even serve half of that. He served 10. Hmm. Yeah, love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so... In 1996, uh, an appeals court reduced his sentence because of improper comments made by a prosecutor. So he went free. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. He went back to his mom's house in Anadarko. Um, not many people around the area knew about his past. Um, one person, uh, her name is Kathy Dobry. She's a family friend. She said he seemed very polite. Um, as a favor to his mother, Reese took Kathy Dobry um, to the city to get a new driver's license. This is her quote. Dummy me, I didn't think to ask what he'd been in jail for because it didn't concern me and my family. That is until the next summer when her daughter disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yikes. So in the spring of 1997, Reese was living and working in the Houston area. He was doing construction and working as... Is it a farrier? Is that yes. the right word? Farrier. Farrier. Okay. So he was doing what he's done before, which is shoeing horses. Yes. A ranch owner in the area, Butch Bloodworth. Love what the a name. name. I know. All right, Butch. I wish he had a bigger part because I was just like, the name. I had. It's a very small part, but I had to add it in just because of its name. Yeah. He seems like he should come in and save the day at the end. I know, you know? right? <laughs> Unfortunately, he doesn't, but... Oh. Um, he said he had noticed that something was off about him. He said he saw Reese hit a horse with a two-by-four <gasps> because it wouldn't stand still. Uh, it's a horse. It's a horse. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. He also Awful. suspected him of trying to sell him a stolen bulldozer. That he just had lying around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. cool. Mm-hmm. And then a girl also came to him, him being Butch Bloodworth. Yes. Our true star. Our true star. Um, came to him crying because Reese complimented her sweet little britches. Oh. Yeah. It's a weird compliment. I don't like that. No. Around Men, that, don't do that. Don't do that. Not cute. Not cute. Not a good look. Um, but also, if you're doing that, it would explain why you're doing other things. Yeah. Okay. I mean, also, women don't do that. Yeah. Just no. don't, don't give anyone that compliment, please. No. It's not a compliment. No, it's gross and creepy. So... Little did uh, the people in the area realize that there might have been a connection between him and the young women in the area that were starting to disappear. Oh, no. On April 3rd of 1997, Laura Springer, she's 12 years old. 
and she was an aspiring ballerina. She went for a run, and she never returned home. Poor baby. On April 20th, her body would be found in a retention pond, Mm. and her body was nude, and there were signs of strangulation. On May 17th, so a little over a month later, Mm -hmm. a man approaches Sandra, and I don't know how to say the last name, so I apologize right now, Sandra Sapag? S-A-P-A-U-G-H. Sapa? Sure. Sounds good to me. Okay. Sandra. Uh, Good old Sandy. Good old Sandy. She was 19. Um, She was going to meet a friend at a restaurant, but she stopped at a convenience store in Webster, Texas to use a payphone because she had found that she had a flat tire. Mm. A man approached her under the guise of helping her, but then put a knife to her neck and pushed her inside a truck and ordered her to undress. Oh, my goodness. They were driving down Interstate 45 when she jumped from the moving truck and escaped. She was also pregnant with her third child at the oh, time. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, again, I'm going to say a naughty word, but she was a total badass. Yeah, she was. Um, pregnant and jumped from a truck on the interstate oh, to escape. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And she made it? Like She, she made it. She was good? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, she's fine. Awesome. Well, was I don't, her, I don't know about fine. baby that, Okay. Nothing mentioned anything about okay. well, good. any injuries, which, I mean, surely she's had to be injured from doing that, I but nothing so. mentioned anything else okay. on, on that, so I don't know. Okay. Well, I hope she was okay. I, I hope she was okay. July 15th of 1997, so about two months later, mm-hmm. Kelly Ann Cox, a student at the University of Texas, North Texas, sorry, University of North Texas, uh, she disappears from Denton, Texas. She was on mm-hmm. a class trip taking a tour of a local jail for a criminology class oh she had put um a spare key under her car because she couldn't take anything with her inside the jail oh no and when she came back out she couldn't get the key to work and so she called her boyfriend to say that she had locked her keys in the car and then nobody ever heard from her again yikes and i think she had like walked to a convenience store to make that call okay okay um then July 26th, so not even a month later. He's really ramping it up. And these are all in Texas so far, right? All in Texas so far. Okay. This next one is in Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, Tiffany Johnson was snatched from a car wash in Bethany, Oklahoma. Oh. She had planned to celebrate three months of marriage that night. Oh. Um, so sad. And I believe she was also 19. I can't remember for sure. Oh, man. Um... She, they, authorities found her Dodge Neon at the car wash. Her mats were still hanging from clothespins. The girl um, was found dumped off a hide- highway in some weeds. Um, she'd been strangled and stripped of everything except a bathing suit top. Oh. And the medical examiner found semen on her body. Yeah. Um, and Tiffany Johnston is the daughter of Kathy Dobry. <gasps> Oh. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Small world. Mm-hmm. Then, on August 17th, Jessica Kane, a Galveston-area teenager, vanishes from I-45 while driving home from a theater cast party. Oh. Her car had also been abandoned, and her wallet was still inside. Yeah. So, a search party started for her. Hundreds of people volunteered, including the father of, um... The missing 12-year-old. Mm. He also was yeah. helping in this search. Um, 
A private investigator theorized that Kane might have seen amber lights flashing on Reese's truck mm. and believed that she was being pulled over by a cop. So, five women in five months. Oh my goodness. And they still, like, had no idea. They still, they still didn't, they still weren't sure who it was at this, at this point. Okay. But quickly, we're figuring it out. Okay, good. Um, Not quick enough, but. Not quick enough, obviously, but fairly quick. Um, So, like, during that time, um, Sandra, Mm -hmm. she had been kidnapped, but she hadn't, she made it. Right. And so she was able to give police a description. Great. Great. And so they were at. While he was killing all these other people, they were trying to figure out who this guy was. Right. Okay. So good, they good, were good. on his trail. Um. So. Um. September first, nineteen ninety-seven. Um, Reese sat in jail. Um, for the allegations of the kidnapping. Okay. Um, he was also at this point being rumored that he was the one to have, he was rumored to be the one that had killed these girls. Okay, good. They're piecing it together. Mm-hmm. However, of course, he said the allegations against him were a crock, that he was not the kind of person to kill, that would kill, and that he could not wait to be exonerated so he can move to the mountains far away from the people ruining his life. Yes, it's everyone else's fault. I'm not a rapist. I'm just an old country boy. Literally, you're already a convicted rapist. Right. Like, you're, you're literally a rapist. Yeah. So, um, Kathy Dobry was saying that, um, like, this is, like, a little ways, uh, like, throughout the years. Um, so she had planned the funeral for her daughter. Mm-hmm. She had asked Reese's mother to press, like, to iron a specific outfit for her yeah. daughter to be buried in. And for years after that... Dobry said that she found flowers and trinkets anonymously placed on her daughter's grave, and the gift stopped after Reese's mother died in 2005. That's really sad. Yeah. She said, I really think that deep down she knew that Billy did it. Yeah. Um, However, um, okay, so in 1998, okay, jumping back Mm -hmm. a little bit, 1998, Reese is convicted and sentenced to 60 years in prison for the kidnapping of Sandra. Okay. So he's in jail. Okay. In 2015, DNA evidence mm-hmm. comes forward, and it connects Reese to the kidnapping, rape, and strangulation of Tiffany Johnston, so Kathy okay. Dobry's daughter. Whew. So they begin to zero in on him as the possible suspect in the Texas cold cases. Yes. So uh, investigators end up coming to him in prison, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if they actually said this or if Reese just believed this, but he thinks that he might be able to escape the death penalty for these other cases if he goes ahead and confesses and leads okay. them to the bodies. Because some of these women they hadn't found the bodies right, for. Right, right. So, while serving... So, in April 15th... Or, sorry, not April 15th. April 5th of 2016, um, he agrees to lead investigators to the remains of Kellyanne Cox and Jessica Kane. Hoping okay. to avoid the death penalty. Their names sound so familiar. Um, I think I've read about them before. They were both found in um, a horse pasture off of um, Texas 288 and County Road 51. Okay. 
And I believe this is the area that's known as the Texas Killing Fields. <gasps> right. So lots of bodies have been found in this area. Right. Another serial killer has been convicted and had a, there was a body of that like somebody yeah. that he had killed in this area. Okay. So, um, which also made these killings like even scarier to the public because the bodies right. were found in this area. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he later led investigators to the site um, where Kane's remains were, and it was in another horse pasture, but this one was near um, Houston Hobby Airport. Okay, okay. Um, he had apparently used a bulldozer. Hmm, think he stole it? Mm-hmm. Used a bulldozer to bury the remains in these areas. Okay. Yep. Yeah. In I bet Butch was real glad he didn't buy that bulldozer. Murder bulldozer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. On September 1st of 2016, so this is a few months after he's led them to the remains, mm-hmm. um, Reese is indicted by Galveston County Grand Jury for the deaths of 12-year-old Laura Smither and 17-year-old Jessica Kane. Okay. Okay. Jump forward to June 2nd, 2021. Very recent, okay. Very recent. Reese is sentenced to death for the first-degree murder of Tiffany Johnston. Heck yeah. So during uh, court, he had the opportunity to apologize to the family, and when he asked if he had anything else to say, he said no. (laughs) So he didn't even apologize? Didn't even apologize. Great. The judge said, there's an old saying in the law, justice delayed is justice denied. Justice will not be delayed any longer in this case. I sentence you to death. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah. She, and, like, there is, like, a video, and she was, like, you could you could see the emotion that yes. she was feeling. Like, yeah. She was, like, you're done. Yeah. You're done. Um, and then in June, uh, 20, June 29th of 2022. Even more recent. Even more recent. He pled guilty in Galveston County to the murders of Jessica Kane and Laura Smither. Okay. And then he um, was taken to Brazoria County, I don't know if I said that right, uh, to plead guilty to the uh, murder of Kellyanne Cox. Okay. So he ended up, he was the sentenced. The one from North Texas, right? Uh, University of North yes. Texas. Yes, yes. Okay. Let me double check that. I'm pretty sure it was. I've heard her name before. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um... So, he ended up being sentenced to up to 99 years in prison and will be eligible for parole after 30 years, which he's in his 60s now. So, he's most likely never getting out. Most likely never getting out. And I well, can't... but then he also has the death penalty for yeah. the other, so it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. And so, last I saw, they weren't sure if he was going to serve his time in Texas or Oklahoma. Okay. Do um, you know where he is now? <clears throat> last I saw, he was still in Texas. Okay. Um, but I, I didn't see for sure. So, and there could be, and they, they even said in a couple of reports, like, these are the ones that we know of. Mm. So. There's very likely more. There's very likely more. Yeah. And also, like, during the time when he, like, um, before he started murdering, that we know of, when he had the two back-to-back rapes, there could easily be other women. Oh, right. Yeah. And that didn't come forward. Right. Yeah. I'm sure um, there are. Or that he could have killed and bodies hadn't been found, or at least yeah, tied to him. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. So that is the serial killer, William Lewis Reese. Nasty piece of work. Yeah, he's awful. Yeah. My and, goodness. And there, there was somebody who said, I think it was one of the mothers, said there's no way that he 
confessed and led investigators to the bodies out of the goodness of his heart. He doesn't have any goodness. Dang. Yeah. Um, and there were lots of quotes from family that were really heartbreaking. I didn't include them, um, mainly just because he's finally, like, right. he's gotten the justice right. that he needs. Um, but there were a lot of heartbreaking quotes from family about, mm. like, it took it took many of those families 25 years to get justice. That's so crazy. Yeah. I can't imagine it taking 25 years yeah. to find out anything. Yeah. Ugh. So. Awful. Well, great job. Thanks. It's very depressing. Love that. Oh, um, I realized that I did not read my sources, so I want to go ahead and do that really fast. Oh, you can read yours because I have to pull mine back up. Okay, so my sources um, were the Dallas News, the Oklahoman, the Houston Chronicle, Newsweek, Oxygen.com, LawandCrime.com, Wikipedia, and ABC13.com. Nice. My sources were JusticeForNativeWomen.com, OklahomaColdCases.org, Mirror. The Oklahoman, and then a YouTube video by Danielle Hollin. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but she had a pretty, like, extensive video about it. Nice. So it's a good one to check out. All right. Wow. Nice one. I'm very depressed now. Yeah. Well, uh, on another note, random change of topic. Okay. I have a plug real quick. Oh, okay. So um, shout out to Coaching by Andy, A-N-D-I. Um, it's a, Jordan Anderson is a personal trainer. He is also a track and cross country coach for the school I teach at. Uh, but if you go to coachingbyandy.com, uh, he has his website set up so that you can sign up to get personal training by him. Nice. So, um, I am sore as we speak because of his workouts. So, Hey, that's. That's good. That's yes. what you want. I am also sore, but it's because I was painting a room, like, <laughs> frantically yesterday trying to get it done. So I was, like, painting a whole bedroom by myself. Nice. But standing yeah. on my tiptoes on a chair. And now my whole body hurts. So <laughs> Nice. Not as productive as your soreness. You know, yeah. But his is great. He does uh, client check-in, weekly check-ins. Um, he is very personable. He sees what is your specific goal that you're wanting and tailors the workouts to what you need. He will also help you with nutrition if you're looking for that. Um, kind of the whole whole deal. Nice. All right. Check him out. Check him out. Okay. I guess we are. I guess we better go and take care of our, our sick people. Families. And- <laughs> <laughs> I hope I don't give my mom COVID. I'm worried now. <laughs> I really hope you don't either. But you haven't actually been around. I haven't been around her. My grandma just very you. much. And just me. And yeah. you don't have symptoms. I know. So. Fingers crossed. I'll let you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Keep updated. All right. <laughs> Um, all right, support us on help? Patreon. Support us on Patreon. If you would like access to our video content, first one's already up. Thank you to everybody who's already supporting us. We're like super excited about that. Every yes. time we get a new Patreon supporter, we're like, look, do you have another out. one? <laughs> so exciting. Make sure you guys are listening to all the episodes. Uh, make sure you rate and review. Yes, please. And uh, if you guys have any suggestions for either true crime stories or places to check out um, that are uh, spooky, yeah, make sure you email us at spookyokeypodcast at gmail.com. Exactly. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Stay, stay spooky. Stay spooky.